so last week I shared, I, I gave like an overview of what that's going to, what the series is going to be about, another series. Uh, and this word is focused on our preparation for now and for also when Jesus returns. As the Bible clearly states in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 that it's talking about the signs and what to look for when, when Jesus will return, when the sign of the end of the, of the age. But this is not, as I said before, it's not such, so much an end-time message, but it's what we need to be focused on right now. And um, what's going to unfold this year and the coming years. And I touched on the situations, uh, and I and I give some some t- statistics of things that are happening. And when they talk about in Matthew, talk about the um, these are the beginning of sorrows. When it says you see earthquakes and pestilences and wars and rumors of wars, it says these are the beginning of sorrows. And sorrows, if you go and look in the translation, the Greek translation, it says pangs, like birth pains. And the analogy I gave, and women who had children could understand, birth pains, they start at, uh, they might start 10 minutes apart or 5 minutes apart. But the time shrinks, the, the, the pains come more frequently and more intense until time to deliver the child. So that's what's been going on for the several, uh, since Jesus ascended, when he said about the end. And if you look, and if you plot the graph, you will see, and I, the simple example I gave was from 1900 to now, how everything has uh, exponentially increased from 1900 to, to now. So we expect 2018 and the years coming, for, coming forward, just, a natural, just talking about natural disasters alone, we expect it to accelerate. We expect it to be more intense. This is not to scare anybody. This is just to say what Jesus is, was said, we are supposed to happen. That's not including all the social unrest and, and all the other drama that's going on in the world. He said, expect these things. Don't be, up, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. These things must happen. So the word prepare yourself and be at peace it ties into uh, with all the unrest that's going to be coming on the earth. There are situations and circumstances that will stretch, pull, and challenge us as believers. And if we are not ready, we will crumble under the pressure. And in 1 Corinthians three ten to fifteen, which we touched on last week, the Apostle Paul was saying, "There is no other foundation that was laid except Jesus Christ." But let everyone be careful how they build upon that foundation because the day will declare it. The day will put whatever you have built on that foundation to the test. And if it survives, if it endures, that means what you have built is true and is eternal and will last. What gets destroyed, you will suffer loss because what you built on that foundation was a false, was a lie. And the day, the day, the circumstances, the trials that you go through will bring to light what you have built on that foundation. So if you come through the trial and whatever you've laid your, that foundation, whatever you've built on that foundation survives, you know that what you have built is eternal. What is, it's true. So what is going to happen is that things in the world are not going to get any better. You can pray that they will get better, 
But the word, you're going against what the word of God says. The word of God says to pray, but don't expect things in the world to change to get better. Because this world, as we know it, is going to come to an end. And there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The moon, the stars, all the things you see are going to pass away. The earth is going to be passed away. It's going to change. And there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. That's what this Jesus said through John in the book of Revelation. So, I didn't make these things up. That's what the Lord Jesus said. So, what we need to focus on now is the challenges... Not focus so much on the challenges, but prepare ourselves for the challenges that we are going to face and that we are facing. So that we don't crumble under the pressure. Okay? Now, the Bible also says in 1 Timothy 4, this is all recap, and 2 Timothy 3, that in the last days, some will depart from the faith. There will be a lot of pressure to conform to the world. People will become more wicked and evil. And if we are not prepared, if saints are not prepared, they will lose hope and turn from the faith. It says in the last days, some will turn away from the faith. It says that. So if you're not grounded, if you're not prepared, you will fall away if you're not grounded. Because whatever you've built will be put to the test. So the world will not understand what is going on. But we must settle in our hearts so that we will not be surprised. Okay? We ought not to be surprised. We are already warned ahead of time what is going to happen. Very important that we understand the signs of the times and the seasons that we are living in. It's very important that we understand that. So we must be unshakable, unmovable, having peace and joy in the midst of all our turmoil. That is not simple. It's easy to say it. It's easy to read the scriptures. But to have peace and joy in the midst of your drama, that is where we need to be. But it's not, it's not going to happen by our intellect or willpower. It's going to be, happen by the Spirit of God. He say, grace. He gives us grace. Grace is what? Grace is a power that God gives us to do what we cannot do in the natural. Because we trust in Him, He gives us a grace. To do what he asks us to do or the grace to stand. The strength to stand. He says, having done all, you put on the whole armor of God. But he gives you the grace to stand. Okay? So we have to be unshakable and unmovable. So now, today, last week, also we touched on what six different things that we're going to cover. And today we're going to talk about knowing him. So, one of the first things I talked about, I said knowing him is critical to preparation, to preparing yourself. We're going to start in John 17, 3. John 17, 3. And Jesus is, is, is praying. He said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus is praying for the disciples. He says, this is eternal life. That they, who is that? Us, may know you, Father. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
So it's not only to know the Father, but it's to know the Son. And the only way we know the, the Father is through the Son. So if you want to know the Father, you have to know the Son. Because in the Son is hidden all wisdom and knowledge of who God is. Okay? But this word know, the word in the Greek is genosko, which means, and I'm not saying this to sound intelligent, okay? I'm just saying there's a Greek, and then I'll talk about the Hebrew. But it's important that this word know is powerful. It's the, the translation is to know in a great variety of applications. The light bulbs went off when I read the definition. I, see, I started seeing a pattern of how God operates. To know in a great variety of applications. To have, un, to have knowledge. To understand. Oh my God. Not just knowledge. But to have knowledge and to understand what it is you know. Oh my God. Okay, let's go to... So remember what that definition of genosco. To know in a great variety of applications. To have knowledge to understand. Let's go to Exodus 33. Are you there? Exodus 33. Are we going to start in verse 7? We're going to do a little reading, but it's okay. Are you there? Verse 7. Moses took his tent. Remember the definition. Okay. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp far from the camp. Oh my God. I don't know if you all saw that. I just saw something right there when I was reading this. When we were praying about the wilderness, it's all about separating yourself. So where did he pitch his tent? Outside the camp. Far from the camp. Separating himself from the main from the main uh, children of Israel, separating himself, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. That's fine. It came to pass, this blew my mind, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. When Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloud came down, stood at the door, and look, the Lord was speaking to Moses. Oh my God, he was speaking to Moses. Only when Moses went to the tabernacle, the Lord will come and talk to him. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. Verse 11. I'm just going to read part of it. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. If you go back and remember... How when God introduced himself to Moses, the relationship was not like that. Over time, there was a closeness, an intimacy that was developed over time. That now God can speak to Moses face to face. Selah. Selah. 
Sarah, he wasn't texting Moses. He was speaking to Moses face to face. You know the young people nowadays. They don't want to talk to you face to face. They send you a text. That's what I'm talking face to face. I got to calm myself down here. Really. Let's go to verse 12. Alright, 12 through 13. And then we're going to go 18 to, 18 to 23. 12, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. But listen to this. Yet you, Lord, have said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. Moses is saying, Lord, you said that I, you, Lord, you know me by name. I know you by name. And you, Moses, have found grace in my sight. I went and looked up the definition of that. No, in, in the Hebrew. It says, the, the Hebrew word is Yoda. And it's spelled Y-A-D-A. It is used in a great variety of senses. A great variety of application. A great variety of senses. Oh my Lord. In observation. Have knowledge of. To understand. To be acquainted with. This is not a casual to be acquainted with. This is know who he is. He said Moses. I know who you are. I am not casually, casually acquainted with you. I know who you are. I know you Moses. Verse 13. A, part, part of it. Now therefore I pray, Moses is speaking to the Lord back, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, Lord. Show me your way. Why? That I may know you. Oh my God. Did you hear that? He said, Lord, show me your way. If I have found grace in your sight. Lord, you said you know me. And I have found grace in your sight. Show me your way, Lord, so that I now will know you. You know me, but I need to know you the way you know me. Show me your way, so that I will know you. Oh my God, show me your way, that I may know you. Verse 18. Let's go to verse 18. Let's go to verse 18. And he said, please show me your glory. When I read that, the word know, it's in the Greek and in the Hebrew, it's a similar same meaning. To observe, have a knowledge of, to understand, be acquainted with. Listen to, listen to this little backdrop. Moses was born and, pro and protected for God's purpose. Mm -hmm. no. Moses didn't choose his parents. God chose his parents. God chose where he would be born. God chose when he would be born. While the male Hebrew children born were being killed, the Lord caused Moses to grow up in Pharaoh's house. The one who gave the, dic the, the edict to slaughter the male uh, children, God put him in the same house, growing up as, his, as Pharaoh's own. Tell you of God has a sense of humor. God directed Moses' steps so that he would be where he was in that moment. In that same moment, God was with him. God directed his steps. Because if you go back and read Moses' history, God knew him, but he did not know the Lord in the beginning. 
When God introduced himself to Moses, Moses didn't know who he was. But God had his hand before, way in the beginning. God's hand was on his life. And in Exodus 3, you read, we're not going to turn to it. The Lord got Moses' attention with a supernatural event. A bush was on fire but not being consumed. When Moses went to investigate, the Lord introduced himself. And he told Moses his plan for Moses' life. He told Moses what he told Moses what he was going to do. I said, Moses, guess what? You are in this plan. And Moses started saying, making excuses. But God told Moses his plan and that Moses was chosen to be his spokesman, the deliverer. Moses didn't know it at the time, but he found out then. Like many of us, like Paul. Paul will go back. Paul will say, My God, the Lord knew me. He knew me even when I was persecuting the church. He knew me. He called me to be the one who would deliver the good news to the Gentiles. He called me. I didn't know it. But he knew me when I was my, before I was born. He knew me. And he knew the purpose for, for which he had created me. That I would, for, for the life that he had given me. To be his spokesman to the Gentiles. Think about our lives. Think about our lives. We're not here to warm the seats. We're not here to breathe free air. We're here for purpose. So, let's go back. Let's go back to verse uh, 18. This, this This just floored me here. Verse 18. And Moses is having a conversation with the Lord. And hear what he says. What does this have to do with anything that Moses has to do for God? Absolutely nothing. Listen to this. And Moses, and he said, Moses said to the Lord, Please, show me your glory. Show me yourself. I see a cloud by day. I see a pillar of fire by night. When I go into the tabernacle... There's a cloud. You're speaking to me, but I, even though it says face to face, I don't really see you, Lord. I see you in, in symbols. I see you in signs. I see you in, in, in elements. But show me your glory. Then he said, this is the Lord's answer in him. The Lord didn't say, yes, I'm going to do it. What did he say? Verse 19. Then the Lord said, I will make all my goodness Pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Hear what the Lord is saying? He said, I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, the Lord is saying to him, You cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is, a place for, by, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This didn't happen yet. The Lord is telling Moses, how it's going to happen. He didn't tell him when it's going to happen. He said this is how it's going to happen Moses. 
This is how it's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. This is, it's going to happen this way because I don't want you to die. If you see my face, you're going to die. I'll just let you see my back. My God. I'm like, Lord, why would you do that? Well, let's, well, let's see why. Are you there? Exodus 34, 1 through 7. Okay. And the Lord, Lord, what does this have to do with that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 34, 1. And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that we that were on the first tablets which you broke. So, if you go back, you've got to go back and read how that happened. Okay? He got those up on Mount Sinai. The Lord carved it out, wrote the commandments on it, gave it to Moses. He came down. There was drama. And you'll see, you read the history. So now it's to replace what was lost. And he said to Moses, so, verse 2, Be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. You, Moses, alone, you come up and present yourself to me. I'm like, why come up on the mountain? Why can't you just make the tablets right there, go into the tabernacle and write them? Nope. You will see why. Why he had to go up to the mountain. And no man, verse 3, no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses, Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai. And the Lord, as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now watch this. Moses got up to the top of Mount Sinai. He had the two tablets of stone with him. And in verse 5 it says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the, the, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And by no means clearing the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers, fathers upon the children. And the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. What did the Lord do? What Moses asked. The Lord brought him up to the mountain. Not only to renew the tablets. But to answer his, what he asked for. To do it. Just to show him himself. And he told Moses how he's going to do it. He says, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to cover your face with my hand. So that you don't see my face. Because if you see my face, you're going to die. But I allow you to see my back. What does that have to do with anything? Oh my God, I'm going to tell you what that has to do with anything. What is Moses learning through this experience and his previous experiences with the Lord. What is Moses learning? A simple thing like that. You might say, I'll give you an example. I shared this testimony with you guys when I went to London a couple of years ago. And I say, I asked the Lord. I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth the morning when I was going to ready. That day I was going to catch the flight back to JFK. I was brushing my teeth. 
I said, Lord, I was flying on the Dreamliner, the 787. That's a beautiful plane if you've never been on it. I'm brushing my teeth. And I said, Lord, boy, Lord, it would be nice if I could fly first, first class today. But you know, Lord, nothing is impossible with you. Now, the economy seats are great, spacious. You know, you press the button and the, 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 the portal, it, it comes dark, light, however you want it. You don't have to do this. You just press a button. How, oh, it's, it's awesome. So, and I prayed that. I just asked the Lord and I just went about my way. Totally forgot about it. Got to the airport. And it'll make a long story short. I ended up in first class. The, even the person who was doing the, uh, the, 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 the attendant, who was doing the tickets, they had to go from, from place to place. Say, Mr. Neil, hold on. Went to this side. Well, we're changing your seat to four, whatever. So they put me in first class. Well, I was spreading out. I was like, oh my God. Then I came, I, I forgot that I prayed this. I came home that night and then went out. I was tired. Then the Lord quickened me. I said, oh my God, Lord. You, put the, you answered my prayer. I'm just in my spirit. Because I love you. What, did that, what does that have to do with anything? The same thing here with Moses. Moses asked him, Lord, show me your glory. That has, what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. It has nothing to do with accomplishing anything. The Lord did it because he loved Moses. Well, let me just go here. What is Moses learning through experiences like that? He's le- learning the Lord's faithfulness. He's learning that the Lord loves him. He's learning that the Lord keeps his word. Because the Lord said, this is how I'm going to do it. And the Lord did it. He's learning that the Lord is who he says he is. He's learning that the Lord wants me, Moses, to know him. That's why he was willing to show me his back. The Lord actually showed himself. Not, it wasn't a cloud. It wasn't a, a pillar of fire. It wasn't a, 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 like a dove. The Lord actually showed himself to Moses. Ex- basically exposing himself. That's intimacy. You have to have an intimate relationship with someone for them to show themselves like that to you. Okay? The Lord is strengthening, reinforcing, and increasing the intimacy of the relationship. He spoke, he spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. When you, if you're in a relationship, like husband and wife, or whatever, very good close friends. You're in a relationship. And someone, and people keep their word in the relationship. It strengthens the relationship. It reinforces the relationship. That's what's going on here. And if you read all the others whom the Lord has walked with. The Lord knows us by name. And I can quote Jeremiah 1.5. Oh yeah, let's do that. Let's go to Jeremiah 1.5. Verse 4. The prophet Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying... Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. 
I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That's Jeremiah he's talking to. Right? Before I formed you in the womb, Moses, I knew you. Before you were born, Moses, I sanctified you. I ordained you, Moses, to be a deliverer. I promised to deliver my, my children out of Egypt. Before, put your name instead of Moses and Jeremiah. Put your name in that place. Before you in the womb, the world said, I knew you. I sanctified you. I ordained you to be what? Whatever it is he's called you to be in this time in history. Whatever your purpose is. Whatever your function is. God created us for a reason. To accomplish something. Whatever that is. Whatever it is. You got to fill in the blank. Yes, you can quote the scripture. But before if you look at Jeremiah. He say, I, Jeremiah, ordained you to be a prophet. Moses, I ordained you to be a deliverer. So put your name in there. What did he form you? Why are you here? The Lord knows you. He know you. But do you know him? That's why Moses says here. Show me your way. That I may know you. Listen. There's going to be a part two to this. Because I'm, I'm not, I can't finish. Because I want to show you something. Watch this. I don't know if you're going to catch it. But look what the Lord said. Ah, let me go back to Exodus. What did, Lord, what did the Lord say to Moses before he told Moses to come up in the, in the mountain? He says in verse, in verse 19. Exodus 33, 19. God. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Please get this. He said, Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And listen to this. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Um, he said, uh, yeah, I will be gracious and I will have compassion. And then when Moses was up on the mountain, he said, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth, etc., etc., etc. Those are attributes of the Lord. But the only way you know God is gracious and forgiving is, how do you know it? By the experiences, you have to do something to be forgiven. You don't understand the Lord's graciousness and, and how He forgives unless you're in a situation where you need His forgiveness and He forgives you. Then you can relate to what He's saying here about His name that He's gracious, long suffering, and He forgives sin. You guys, my God, his name says who he is and who he is, my God. When he says Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh is the name of a place. But they gave the place the name because of what something the Lord did. What he did reveals who he is. And when that reveals who he is, we know that attribute about him. So it's like Rachel and I. How does Rachel know me? Well, it's not by my good looks. 
is the attributes. So if Rachel had to describe me to someone to say, what is Chris like? The only way she could say what I'm like is if she knows me. Well, Chris is a good provider. Why? Chris goes to work and he comes home and the, the money's in the bank. He doesn't squander it. He's a good provider. Chris cuts the lawn. Chris throws, puts out the garbage. Chris, whenever I'm in trouble, I need help physically. Chris helps me. Etc. Etc. What is, how does she, how can she describe who I am? By the attributes. So you can call Chris. I'm not Jehovah Jireh, but the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. He's a provider. He's a healer. He's this, he's that. His attributes reveal who he is. His name, merciful, gracious. You get it? The attributes reveal who he is. But what does God, God do? God puts you in a situation where you have to experience these attributes. The varying attributes. The various, um, let me get the right word, applications of who he is. So you know him as provider. You know him as healer. You know him as, as, uh, as your protector. You know him as the one who fights your battle. You know him as this. Whatever he is, I am. Whatever you need, that's who he is. You know him in that attribute. Oh my God, I hope you're getting this. But anyhow, I'll talk a, bit, a little bit about, more about that next week. <laughs> so the Lord reveals who he is in, great, in a great variety of applications. That's a powerful meaning. Please meditate on that. And we're going to pick this up next week. We are going to pick it up next week. 